the plan. Doesn't it feel sometimes like there isn't a plan? Or that the plan doesn't always work? I had a particular mindset. There was the way I wanted things to go. And it didn't happen. And that's really disappointing. It's frustrating. And so it can feel like maybe there's no plan. And I think that can add to our current anxiety. It can lead to hopelessness. We can lose our faith. But what is the plan? We hear in our readings today just a beautiful summary. In Genesis, it talks about how God planted this garden in the east in the beginning. And he placed man there. And there was various trees that were delightful to look at and good for food. That in the beginning, things were really good. Maybe we've even experienced that in our own relationships. Man, things were really good. Well, in the beginning, everything was good. But then something happened. And we hear the story play out today that the serpent tricked or tempted Adam and Eve. And what was that temptation? Yes, they, they, they disobeyed, but, but really what happened, what led to that disobedience was they'd lost their trust in God. They became suspicious. That's what the serpent does. The serpent makes us suspicious. You know, can you really trust God? Does God really want you to be happy? Did God really say that? I mean, we can justify it. And so they, in that moment of kind of worrying and being suspicious that maybe God doesn't really want me to be happy, things change. The brokenness enters. The problem happens. And that's actually where I think we find ourselves, right? That, okay, things were really good supposedly in the beginning, but how come me and the people around me, how come we have tension? How come we fight? How come we hurt each other? How come the world's in the state that it is? How come we can't even have a civil discourse anymore? That there's just lots of problems. Like, that's where we find ourselves. And, and why this is important, why the church gives us these readings, is to say, that wasn't the plan from the beginning. That the plan got messed up because of sin. But somehow God knew that. Doesn't God know everything? God knew that things would get messed up. Just like in my own life, God knew that things would get messed up. He knew that was going to happen. Why would he allow that to happen, though? How could a good God allow that to happen? We get that in the, our second reading, Romans. That God, in his plan, says it is better to create a world in which there's fallenness and redemption than if sin never entered the world. Like God, God is that which nothing greater can be thought. God is the one who creates the best of all possible perfect worlds. And this is it? Yeah. That somehow our world with brokenness, 
and redemption is better than if we couldn't sin. Well, because if we couldn't sin, well, that means we would we'd be more like robots, you know, and that might help us on the dance floor. But it would, like, it wouldn't, with, without freedom, you can't love. You actually can't have relationship. You can't really experience joy. But what do we have now that, what St. Paul talks about here is that just as through one person sin entered the world, that because of the, the new Adam, the new man, Jesus Christ, and the gift he gives us, the redemption is better. And, and the same cycle happens, it even happens in relationships, right? That, that when we fight, but then when we come back and apologize, we show humility, that it actually strengthens the relationship more than if there wasn't that brokenness. It can. Just like a, a bone that's broken can grow back stronger than if it wasn't broken. That that's God's plan. His plan is to redeem everything. Everything. Every disappointment, every injustice, every sin. His plan is to redeem it. So that's... that's and it's happening, but we find ourselves in that kind of middle period where it's, we're being redeemed. And, and is that a curve? Yeah. So it's like, you know, we're, we're on the path, and, and maybe there's still a lot more to be redeemed, or maybe we've experienced some, and, but there's still more to come. We find ourselves in that middle, like Jesus today, that he's tempted in the desert. But even interesting, it says... Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted. Wait, you mean God led Jesus to be tempted? You mean God allowed? You mean God allows trials and temptations and difficulties? Yes. St. Augustine says that we progress through trial. That without trial, we don't grow. And sometimes we want to say, no, thank you. Give that to the next person. But the truth is, that's how we grow, or at least that's how it seems God works. And so the temptation comes to Jesus, as it comes to all of us, especially after something good. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. So he's doing something really good for God, and then bam, he gets hit with a temptation. That's often how it works. This weekend we had a retreat, about, about 90 students there, and I kind of we talked about this at one point, is that in my own experience, often after something really good or after just a lot of blessings in my life, that a difficulty can happen. And I can be like, God, why did you leave? Things were so good. Why did you allow this to happen? But what I've learned, what I realized, is it wasn't that God left the building. It was that God who knows everything knew what was going to happen. And so he gave me that graced moment as a strength, kind of like the transfiguration of Jesus before the crucifixion, to help sustain me through the difficulty. And so in that difficulty, what does Jesus do when he's tempted by the devil? Just like Adam and Eve in the beginning, where the devil tries to twist what God says. That the evil one can't create, 
but he can take truth and twist it. That's why people can justify things. You know, like, well, I mean, we, you just pick any subject and we justify things. We can find a way to make it look good at the right angle that you look at it. But what does Jesus do in that moment? But he turns back to the Father. He turns back to God. That the one way that you and I can experience redemption through what we've been through and are going through is to throw ourselves completely at the feet of God and say, God, I can't do this on my own. And it is true. You and I, we cannot go toe-to-toe with the devil. He is smarter, more cunning. I, this, this, made, this is kind of a cheesy example, but I was playing uh, Texas Hold'em with some people a few weeks ago. And I went toe-to-toe with the best player at the table. And I flopped a straight, but I bluffed and said, check. And so he came back. Anyways, I came back, and I, and I ended up betting hard, betting right at the end. And he's like... You bet hard on a four of clubs, and I took his money. And so, um, (laughs) and I thought to myself, I played all night, and I got him once. Like, I felt so good about out-cunning the best player at the table, and I realized, no matter my best day ever in life, I cannot outdo the cunningness of the evil one. I just can't do it. He's waiting. He knows what I'm going to do. You and I can't do it, but he can and does it. And so my job is to throw myself at him, to put myself in his hands, say, God, I don't know what to do in this situation. God, I'm overwhelmed. God, I'm stressed. God, I feel stuck. You and I cannot pull ourselves out of sin. That sin that we've been trying to get over, yeah, we can't do it, right? But he can. And he has a plan to do something Even better, like the story of the prodigal son, that it's better to leave and fall and hit rock bottom and have that redeemed than if we never fell. That that's what God does. That's his plan. And so you and I being here today, recognizing that our help is going to come from God, not from me just trying harder. It's part of his divine plan that he wants to help us He wants to strengthen us. He wants to redeem us in this desert, on this journey. And so you and I being here today, responding, coming open to receive his gifts, it's all part of the plan.